It's Wednesday, August 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, one of the hosts of the Industry Focus podcast, Christine Hargis. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, we're going to talk. We're not going to talk healthcare because uh, as you and I were chatting, you were kind enough to remind me that, that healthcare, if you're an investor and you're looking at healthcare, you're basically staring at the ocean. It is a vast, it's just an, it's the Pacific Ocean. It's enormous. So, we're going to focus our discussion to biotech and pharmaceuticals, which is still on its own a, a pretty big, a pretty big pond, but not quite the vast ocean that healthcare is. That's um, a beautiful metaphor. Did you like that? <laughs> it's very. I well don't done. normally come, you know, I don't normally come equipped with with metaphors. So, uh, um, long-time listeners have heard me say uh, that the the worst stock I ever bought was not one that went down. Although I've had plenty of those, the worst stock I ever bought was a small biotech that literally made me lose sleep. It went up. I bought it. I I ended up selling it after just a few months. I I, I don't know. I I think I made like a twenty or thirty percent gain. But of course, I paid short term taxes on top of that. But it was just one of those things where I literally woke up in the middle of the night thinking about this company and how I didn't understand what they did. Um, is so so at least part of this episode of Market Foolery is is, is selfishly it's going to be therapy for me. You're going to, you're going to be you're going to be. Not talking me off the ledge, you're going to be sort of like urging me to sort of get back on the horse. So that explains the studio setup with the couch today. Exactly, exactly. I get it now. Um, but I can't imagine I'm alone in that. I think I think for a lot of people, they they look at biotech and pharma and just think, okay, I, I get it when it's over. I and by that I mean I get it. When a company has a drug that's been approved, but it seems like the opportunity for investors is gone by then. Am I am I wrong in that assessment? Um, I wouldn't say it's gone at that point once a company has a drug on the market. But if you're looking to biotech to provide you with these absolutely eye-popping gains, where a stock comes out of nowhere and and quadruples overnight. That's the kind of thing that does happen when you have a drug that's in early stage and gets a really good news from the FDA, or even just goes into the next level of clinical trials and has really good results. But biotech doesn't always have to keep you up like that. There are a number of fairly safe biotechs, and of course, you could always go the ETF route just to get exposure to this industry and not necessarily have these awful sleepless nights. what should investors look for in in terms of clues from the FDA? Because it seems like, and again, you you watch this industry much more closely than I do, but it seems like uh, some companies come out with announcements about different stage approvals that they get from the FDA, and it seems um, I don't want to say plotting, but it but it seems very methodical and 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 slower, and it seems like others. Uh, get more of a fast track route. So, in terms of an investor who's thinking, okay, I, I want to maybe get in, buy a few shares of a company. What is uh, an optimistic sign they should look for from in terms of FDA approval? So, you can absolutely 
plan when you want to invest based on upcoming catalysts for a company and their drugs that they're trying to get approved. If you do a quick Google search and look up FDA calendar, there's something right there that'll tell you all sorts of different dates that the FDA is going to give you decisions by. Uh, you can also get a calendar for clinical trial release data. So it's not completely random. That being said, this date that the FDA says, hey, we're going to give you the yay or the nay by you know August 30th or whatnot, that's kind of like a, a hard deadline where they could absolutely release the decision before then. Okay. So that being said, you have a little bit of wiggle room, but generally speaking, you can approximate when you're going to receive news about drugs. What would you rather see in terms of whether it's biotech, pharmaceutical, whatever? Would you rather see a company that has a lot of drugs at various stages of the approval process, or would you rather um, see a company that is really focused on one singular, potentially big market opportunity? See, the problem with would you rather is I always either want to say both or neither, depending well, on the nature of the question. Well, you know, I mean, let's let's explore both. What's, you know, what's, what's sort of the, the, the pros and cons of a company that has a lot of irons in the fire? So, the biggest thing there is that most drugs are not going to succeed. So, one in every 5,000 to 10,000 drugs that enter preclinical studies will ever even make it to market. So, I remember. Wait a minute. How many? One in every 5,000 to 10,000 drugs that enter preclinical studies. It's will that on- bad? Yeah. So, Sean Williams, one of our, our uh, healthcare contributors on full.com, wrote this awesome article all about the drug development process. And in it, he points out that given that statistic, you're more likely to have 12 male children in a row than get a drug all the way through the development and approval process and onto pharmacy shelves. Wow. I mean, I knew I knew most of them didn't make it through. I didn't think the odds were that bad. Okay, so yeah, it's I mean, not, that's one estimate. It, it, it does sound like you you definitely want to wait until they've made it through a couple of stages. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same thing as having a diverse portfolio. You know, the more irons in the fire you have, the better off you are, just given that, like, hopefully, maybe one of them will not totally flop. This is not optimistic. In your experience, is this an industry where success begets success? Meaning, companies uh, and companies that have gotten some drugs through the approval process. I don't want to say that they're more likely to, but is that sort of a bullish sign that, okay? They've gotten a few drugs through the process. They know how to. They have experience in doing this, and therefore we should, as investors, give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt than a younger biotech or pharmaceutical company. Yeah, I would say that's totally true. And the other element to that is the marketing side of it, where if a company already has drugs out there on the market, then they're familiar with how to approach doctors. They have these long-standing relationships, especially if it's in an indication that they already have a treatment out there for. They have a huge advantage over some tiny company that has no idea how to market a drug. Let's name a couple of names here uh, in terms of smaller biotech and pharmaceutical companies and sort of behemoths. Um, what are a couple of companies that you look at and think, you know, I'm not necessarily going out and saying, oh, this is a screaming buy and, and this is a cheap stock at this valuation, et cetera, et cetera. But what are a couple that you look at and just sort of think to yourself, you know what? These people really seem like they know what they're doing and they've got the track record to back it up. 
All right, so I'll start with the the smaller guys first. Probably my favorite small biotech that doesn't have an approved drug yet is called Portola Pharmaceuticals. Um, they are basically making an antidote to a blood thinner, um, which is a new class of blood thinners that's out there on the market. There's this drug that's been used as a blood thinner standard of care for years and years and years, and it has a very easy antidote. So if you have some sort of bleeding event and you need to quickly reverse those effects, it's there, it's established. Problem is, you've got this new class of blood thinners, and they work in a different way, and there isn't an antidote out there yet. So that's what Portola is doing. They're trying to develop this antidote to the new class of blood thinners. And what I really like about that is, so I mentioned earlier that marketing is, is a huge component of this and something that a lot of newer, smaller companies struggle with. So you've got Portola, and they're making this antidote that all of the big guys that have developed this new class of blood thinner, they are rooting Portola on. They want to see them succeed. And you better believe that if this drug gets approved, then they're going to have other people basically marketing their drug for them, saying, hey, 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 there's a reversal agent now. Start using my new blood thinner. I like your use of the phrase bleeding event. I think I think that's one of the things that you know newbies like me would would need to get used to in in this industry is that there are those medical terms where I mean it's like, I, I definitely don't want to call it a thromboembolic event I don't even yeah. know how to say that word really but that's a technical word for it yeah but it's like when you hear you know instead of heart attack you hear oh, this person had a cardiac event it's like <laughs> oh you mean they had a heart attack um, okay so Portello uh, Pharmaceuticals that's on the smaller side what about on the on the larger side. So, on the larger side, my go-to is Gilead Sciences. This is a company that has totally dominated the HIV field for quite a while. And more recently, they've uh, definitely been getting picked up on a lot of investors' radar for their new hepatitis C drugs, which have come in and totally revolutionized the standard of care for that disease. They're doing a lot of great things, and they've been enormously successful because of it. Not only that, but they also do have several irons in the fire. They're trying to improve their HIV and their HCV uh, regimens. They also have a little bit of a hand in oncology. They've got all sorts of things going on. So that, that for me, is, is one of the, the big guys that I think should be a staple in a lot of healthcare portfolios. Do you look at this industry, to the extent that you can set aside your affinity for biotech and pharma, but do, as an investor, do you look at this industry as almost a must-have in terms of the average investor's portfolio, because with advancements in, in medicine, as we are living longer as a population, it does strike me that this is an industry that is going to grow and therefore will benefit investors and shareholders for decades to come. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can separate my affinity for this <laughs> sector from this answer, so take it with a grain of salt, but okay. I would absolutely say that the demographic trends are in favor of healthcare as a sector for investors. I mean, you've got 10,000 Americans turning 65 every single day. You've got the rise of specialty medicine. These medicines are a lot more expensive. You've got Obamacare and this shifting payer landscape where everybody is kind of fighting to, to make the process more efficient. And you're going to get companies that are big winners in all of that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the reasons you should be listening to Industry Focus, so you can get insight from people like Christine Hargis. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.